Episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 28th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and sitting comfy in his bunker while he watches me leave, open the door. Caffeine rage, and close the damn door and get off my fucking lawn. Well, I'd like to, but tell my governor that, because he's a dumbass. On today's show, Freaking we will, of course, be dis- <laughs> Indeed. We will be discussing our April Game Club, Fault, fault Milestone 2, Side Above. We'll be talking about our, or revealing our next Game Club game for May. Uh, strange Fallout 76 bug causes new Wastelanders <laughs> NPCs to permanently loot your weapons. And we'll have a Steam Discovery queue towards the end of the show. Timestamps will be in their show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's up? Uh, well, my governor's not as dumb as yours, so I got that going for me, which is nice. Yep. Yep. You can hear all about that, though, in a Franken episode coming soon to almost at a theater near you. That's a lie! Oh, it all depends on what the theaters do, right? I mean, they may be that desperate for content in the future. That's very true. Hey, AMC, if you want to buy the rights to our production, hit me up. I'll definitely sell them to you. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I do at least get a cut, right? Oh, yeah. 50-50, straight down the middle. Aww. That's because we're partners in crime. Couldn't do this show without you to help me do my crimes against humanity. <laughs> hey. Oh, well, I'm on the list again. I don't think you're ever off the list. Just you're you're maybe up a couple places closer to where I am on the list. Yeah, well, at least I'm not coughing on fruit or anything. No, that's good. Also good that you're not Kim Jong-un. Whatever happened to him. I mean, since yeah. when did Kim Jong-un become Carmen Sandiego? I don't know. I'm trying to decide if I think he's dead or if he's just recovering and they've been keeping him out of the public light. Or, or, I think or, he's dead. Uh, or if it's going to be Weekend at Bernie's, uh, North Korean edition. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just like suddenly out of nowhere, like I saw all this stuff about Kim Jong-un and I'm like, huh, what's he done now with, oh, oh, they think maybe he might have had a, a cardiac incident, which I think means heart attack. That's well, like, well, that's the all-encompassing term. Yeah. But uh, well, he had heart surgery a couple days before a big uh, uh, government to do, and that he no showed at. Mm-hmm. And then there's been speculation ever since. And I think I think a lot of this is just everybody is bottled up in their homes right now. They're bored, and this is the one thing that has nothing to do with the coronavirus that we could talk about. Yeah, in some ways, I feel sorry for Kim Jong Un, like. You can watch him just sort of go for... I mean, he was a little chubby from the start, for sure. But, like, he has, like, ballooned up into being nearly as fat as I am. And that's like, oof, man, I don't know what's gotten you to eat your troubles away, but... Uh, It's called being North Korean. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would be better to be Kim Jong-un than a North Korean peasant. But I bet his job isn't as fun and cushy as it probably sounds yeah, i mean think how many times he has to uh, put up with a trump email or something <laughs> no hey, they, they seem to get along okay <laughs> yeah but just imagine how many times he's uh just read it's like i can't put up with this today i gotta get my hair squared uh, i gotta go uh, watch the peasants uh, bang rocks together 
Gotta go eat two dozen cheeseburgers. Uh, gotta go launch a, a missile over Japan again. <laughs> uh, that could be freaking content. The uh, list of Kim Jong Un uh, Kim Jong Un's to do list. What is yeah? What does Kim Jong Un do every day? Uh, load up steam. <laughs> yeah. That was, I think, my favorite one related to that. It's like, oh, Kim Jong-un's dead, guys. That one light in North Korea is gone. I always wonder if I've ever played video games with a world leader. Just like, I mean, you know, I know that that senators and even presidents of other countries or their equivalent based on what their political system, the language it uses. You know, I know that people play video games. No, no, no. I know what you're really wondering. Have I ever teabagged a world leader? Oh, I mean, really, those two questions are synonymous with one another, because, I mean, if I'm playing online video games with strangers, you bet your ass I'm teabagging. In any way I possibly can. If I can physically teabag with my character, I will. If it's a game that doesn't allow that, like, say, World of Warships or um, something like that. No, that's I'm, called I'm life loading pe- at that point. I'm putting I'm putting penises in the chat all over the place. Or as I like to call them, rocket ships. With lasers. <laughs> I'm firing my lasers. The laser beams are our semen. Just, in, just well, so well you know. you're playing World of Warships. I sure <laughs> hope there's semen involved. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Well done. Well, uh, there won't be any games played this week. Um, I played a couple of things, but you. I, I played didn't, one. So uh, I had enough to talk about, but I wanted to complete the game, and it's a fairly short one, so I'll do that over the course of this week. Because I wanted to focus on getting Fault Milestone 2 done, and I actually just finished it earlier this afternoon, because I miscalculated how much time I actually spent on it, because well, I had farmed the cards on it before, so I didn't have an accurate timer. So, yeah. Yeah. But did well, get it done. I, I had, yep, I, I had some stuff that I'm not going to talk about, just because it's easier. Um, and next week, I can probably talk about my adventures with Linux, Uh Spoiler, uh, which is not a spoiler. Uh, uh, so, uh, so you're gonna have some tech tips? Oh yeah, definitely. It's gonna we're gonna have some tech tips. <laughs> um, I installed uh, Ubuntu on an old Gesundheit. PC I have that I'm trying. Thank you. That I'm trying to breathe some new life into, and have been doing some testing with it. So I'll talk all about that probably next week, <clears throat> unless by some unless somehow I don't get any more chance to work on it, but. I don't think that that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have plenty of time to work on it. But with those things being said, um, we can dri- drive, dive, <laughs> well, those... swim, fly, straight into the April Game Club. Well, we could do one of those. Or for me, hobble. Indeed. So if you're a new listener, and if they kept listening, I think that this is going to be the first time that my the people who listen from my work and D&D group, hello. Um, uh, I'm sorry have you have to put Game up Club. with him. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, they have to do I, it in person. I, I have nothing to do with how he acts. He's just this way. Yeah, and they have to put up with me in person. I mean, not oh, right oh, now. Oh, they actually but... have to uh, put up with your smell as well. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, my sensual smell. Um, oh, well, but... well, well it's a, it is a word that starts with an S. <laughs> but uh, Game Club, in case this is your first Game Club, uh, is where Rage and I play the same game at the same time and discuss it together. That doesn't happen very often. We have different tastes in games. And oftentimes, even when it's a game that we both like or have played, it's not at the same time. Um, yeah. My brain just, like, went... 
It's been around in the office chair. Yeah. Oh, um, this is gonna be a so fun one. This one, um, we're gonna. I want to do things just slightly different than how we usually do. We've we've done this a few times actually with like story heavy games. Basically, we're not gonna be able to talk about this for very long without spoiling it. So right up front, just very generally, did you like it? I didn't like yes it as much no. as the first one, but I did like it overall. I do think it has some faults. Hey, hey, uh, but. I think it's a solid read or play, whatever. I would say that I'm not completely convinced that it's worth the full price, uh, just because it's a slow kinet- or short kinetic novel, mm-hmm. or I should say a shorter kinetic uh, uh, visual novel. So I would say probably. How long did it? I, I think it was about five hours or so. Okay, it took me about four, four and a half hours to play through it. Uh, I had um, a couple of distractions, so. Yeah, I played it at night mostly by myself, so. Which makes it sound really dirty. Yeah, which, I mean, I uh, guess there's a yeah, which it's not like the other visual novels that you read. No, no, it's not. Um, For the most, part. I also I also liked it, not as much as the first one. Um, this you definitely should not buy this standalone, regardless of what price you pay for it. You really need the first one before you yeah. go into this one. Yeah, it does have um, a uh, a catch up. Uh, yeah, last time on fault milestone, but. Uh, it doesn't go into the nuances, and honestly, I've forgotten some of it because it's been about a year since we played the last one, so it was handy t- for a refresher, but it doesn't give you everything, and it's w- well worth reading the first one first. Yeah. There's too so many just, callbacks. Just, yeah, and too many of the characters uh, come forward aside from just the main cast. Um, let's see. Just to look, Fault Milestone 1 and 2 are both $15 if you get them full price. I think Fault Milestone 1 is worth $15. Fault Milestone 2, I would say, is good in at like 5 bucks. I would say um, 10 10 Okay. I would say I mean, I could go somewhere for 10. in the 10 range. It's a, it's a little bit shorter than the first one. I think it took me about 6 to 7 hours to play through the first one, and it was somewhere between 4 and 5 for this one. Um, this is part one. Uh, we don't know if there's actually a part two coming. Yeah, because um, the developers have been kind of silent. Uh, their website, we didn't check before we chose this, ha- hasn't had an update in a couple of years. But they still have this listed for coming sometime this year. But who knows for part two. Yeah, there's also a prequel that's supposed to be releasing this week that I believe... Does it have a demo? Actually, I don't know. It's Fault... It's fault. Is it fault? Milestone pedant something. Um, quickly popping over. Uh, fault silence the pedant. And yes, it does have okay. a demo. Okay. So I mean, I would hope that that means that, and that's that's the prequel. I would hope that that means that that's supposed to be coming this year, like they've said it was. Yeah. Well, but... it says planned release date when it's ready. Yeah. And then Fault Milestone 2 side below, which is like episode 2 or whatever. Uh, uh, 2.2 uh, 2. To... or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. That's also supposed to release this year. So I hope that it does. Um, I would like to see a conclusion to the story. But don't uh, don't want to get to that just yet. So overall, um, we both like it. Not as much as the first one. We both recommend it, but not at full price. Um, I would say that most of the stuff from the first one, if you've played that one, things like the visual style, if you like that, obviously that's the same. A lot of similar music. I mean, some of it I 
explicitly remember from the first game. I think there's some new tracks, but the music is solid. Um, and your main cast is still the same. So if you liked those characters, I think there's a chance that you'll a good chance you'll like those characters in this. But you know, more to come about that in spoilers. So, do you have anything else that you want to say, spoiler free, before we just dive in? Uh, not without I dive into spoilers. So let's go for it. Uh, put up the siren. <laughs> uh, Blow the spoiler horn. Uh, and now all the elk within a thousand miles are rushing to Tennessee. Sweet, let's do this. Leroy Jenkins. Indeed. Also uh, so f- also known as your governor. <laughs> yeah. So Fault Milestone 2, side above. I have so many mixed feelings about this game. Uh, uh, once again, one of those games that we picked this months ago. Of, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of strangely appropriate with some of its theming. And also strangely inappropriate with some of its theming. It, it feels more ham-fisted than the first one it feels like it and i've seen i've read some stuff where that the developers have have said this in like interviews or posted it like in forums and stuff like yeah you know basically we broke this we wanted to break this up into two parts because the story started to get out of hand and like yeah if this is your cut down version i'd hate to know how rambly meandering uncut down version was uh it's going to be like a peter jackson (laughs) lord of the rings marathon right yeah, the main story thread is good, and I can follow it. Yeah, and it just I liked... it just feels like uh, they put that down for a while, and then go off on this other thing, then go off on this other thing, and then go off on this other other thing. And then realize, oh shit, the novel's almost over. Quickly resolve this. Yeah, we have like two casts of incidental characters, and some that only show up like once. They feel like they were meant to be integral characters that probably will come back in the second one. But, like, there's this one girl, and, uh, you know, obviously we'll get into this more in depth. There's, there's like, the one girl who's been locked away in the room that Ratona wakes up yeah, in. Yeah, which will probably be like, uh, major in the second part. Uh, Paige, I believe her I, I, name was. Pa- yeah, I was going to say, I think her name is Paige. <clears throat> but, like, Paige shows up, and it's, like, very clearly she's important to the story. And we see her for, like, two scenes, and then she's gone. There's the crazy lady that helps run the facility with the crazy exile doctor, both of which very important characters are in one or two scenes. Oh, the, the, well, the, well, the director is just in one scene, and she mentions offhand, "Oh yeah, uh, uh, the real rune." Uh, spoilers for the first one, obviously, because yeah, the rune we're with isn't the real one. Uh, uh, killed her husband by poisoning him in a, just a mass uh, gen- or ger- mass homicide. Yeah, when she killed all the board members for that company. Yeah. Um but and then there's then there's these this group of characters who are apparently friends, childhood friends of Ratona. Uh, and uh, um, members of the Alliance. Yep. Because and, uh, well we don't even know what really happened in the first game with uh, the attack because that's still a big unknown as well. Yeah, that's like the first scene and then you're gone from there and you never hear anything about it again. Which I thought was a, it, good in the first game. And in this one, they keep coming back to it for like little scenes that don't mean anything. Like, if they were going to focus on something, alternating back and forth between the main trio from the first game that carried over and this new trio would have been interesting. But they show up randomly for a scene or two and then they're really never mentioned again. Uh, and then uh, the uh, 
antagonist from the first game, uh, or from the first scene in the first game that did that random attack, show up mm-hmm. for one scene uh, with the new trio, and or it has a scene of them sneaking around. Uh, it's wow. Yeah, there's so much like fluff and time wasting with that. And if all of these things are, are stuff that you're going to set up, but that isn't going to pay off until part two or part three or, you know, however long this this series goes for, you know, if it continues, like, there are, there are principles in storytelling. Check and I am not gun. like a story. Yeah. Yeah. You introduce something, then you it needs to pay off. And, and you know, incidental stuff can be there and it not matter. Like, you have to have you know, stuff in the background, you know, to show that you exist in a world or that these characters exist in a world. But, I mean, you gave us three new characters. I mean, more than three. Well, I would say three, three, three new characters. sets of characters. Three what? Three sets of characters because you had the, essentially, the medical facility, which we'll get to later. Uh, that could be one group. We have the uh, the Alliance group. That, that's another group. Uh, and we had just uh, the uh, still the antagonist from the first game. Uh, 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 and then the, then the, there's the kids. Yeah, which they their story pays off. They have got the sort of the complete story that gets our main protagonist through this portion of it. There's these two kids that you meet real early called Soul and Mia. Um, and then and yeah, and Mia. Well, well, um, you well you beat Soul first. But that yeah, started you, to get a little bit more into the actual meat of the story. Yeah, but there there are two kids that live in this area that you go to, and you wind up helping them. And a large part of the story centers around teaching this kid how to essentially mature to to deal with, and, and I'll get into this more with the theming, but to deal with his trauma and focus his energy into something productive. Um, I mean, he literally goes from being a thief to being, um, I don't want to just say farmer. That doesn't quite encompass uh, what it is that he does by the end. Uh, 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 distributor. Yeah, yeah. He he, which, he uh, which, produces which even then medicine. That the, the way they felt like it, or they went on to a, a anti big pharma rant. I didn't get big pharma from that. Uh, the, so, the, okay, the pharmacist. So. Uh, Having having the guild, that's definitely an analog for Big Pharma. So here's what I got from that. Uh, Colonialism is bad. Like, overall, like, because that country, and I don't, I don't, the names are so weird in this, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember them, and and the wiki doesn't have much for Fault Milestone 2, unfortunately. Um, But, like, there's this country, the country that you go to has essentially been annexed by another country, and has stolen all of their like key resources, which is this special type of mana that prolongs people's lives and can help cure um, illnesses and things. Um, kind of, I guess, Fountain of Youth-esque. Um, but anyways, this larger, more powerful country annexed this small country, stole all of its resources, moved its people in, and then the natives of that land are, are living basically in squalor. Yeah, and they and, and they also like, stole uh, the uh, magical uh, healing area and put their own people in it. Yeah, but you know, so there's this very big like colonialism is bad as sort of a, a top and overall theme, 
um, for that that uh, branches down into these other areas, which is corruption, which is where the pharma guild comes yeah. in. They're corrupt. Yeah, where he uh, pretty much just talks about how uh, this country is all corrupt, so you have to be corrupt in order to get ahead. And I'm going to intentionally kill a child uh, just so I can sell more medicine. It just it felt very ham-fisted. I mean, this is Saturday morning cartoon levels of uh, evil, or the Trump presidency. <laughs> um, but it yeah, just, the, it just felt unrealistically evil. You know, the colo- yeah, the colonialism is bad theming um, was the weaker of the two things that I felt like this uh, game was exploring with its story. Um, and, and I don't, I mean, colonialism is bad is something is that we've seen over and over and over again in countless examples of media, you know, film books, um, you know, the idea that like, you know, power corrupts and, um, you know, it's better to be the king of the ashes than, you know, not a king at all. Yeah. And like all of those sorts of things. Like, so I don't know if it's genuinely like bad or if it's just something that's been so done and I don't feel like they brought anything unique to the table with it. Um, I can't say really, like I haven't had enough time to parse through that. I, I finished it yesterday. Um, I played through it a little bit at a time last week, about uh, one, I played through it one chapter at a time. So it's four chapters. So I played through it over the course of like four or maybe five days with a break in the middle. So I've kind of, you know, that's, that's how long I've had to chew on this. And I haven't been able to think of a unique angle that, that the, you know, anti-colonialism argument brings up. Um, but that does sort of bring the oddly topical theming into play because they use the magical equivalent of social media. Yeah. Um, which I thought, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, it, it, I guess it's more like forum posting as yeah, basically the, media. the old, uh, like, uh, uh, bulletin board systems. That's yeah. how, that's how but, I was taking it. Not quite social these, modern social media, but close to it. Yeah. But these kids are, are, uh, the, the the sister in particular, I want to say like I'm I, my brain is telling me that her name is Misha, but what did you say uh, it was Mia M I A Mia or, okay. or Maya because they both had uh, two or uh, three uh, letter names. Okay, so and I'll go with with Mia um, Mia, um, or it may have been M I A, but uh, are you trying to find it? Well, it's. Uh, Maya is a uh, it's a Chinese surname, so that might be it as well. But I'm but I do know it was either M A I or M I A. So yeah, okay. Um, my M M Mill. We could just say Mill. <laughs> it's probably wrong. Anyways, her character is the one who's writing on these bulletin boards. Um, she's she's the sick kid that the corrupt uh, pharma guild leader has been stringing along. Um, Cause he, he, you find out in the story that he could have cured her, but he didn't in order to keep selling them this expensive kind of pointless medicine, which basically just treats the symptoms. Yeah. Um, so she shares her story and it brings together a lot of people, you know, saying like, um, you know, yeah, I've, I've got a similar story. Like this is, you know, bullshit. Like we matter, like we should join together and we should, you know, we should fight this. We should deal with this. And that's very sort of 
not a hundred percent on point, but very similar to modern day circumstances of like, oh yeah, we're actually the essential ones, and if we don't do this, everything grinds to a halt. So that's uh, accidentally topical. But yeah, that that anti colonialism theme in general, like it just it didn't it didn't click with me all that much. The other big theme in the story is um, trauma dealing with your trauma and the different ways that people can deal with their trauma at first i thought that it was going to be something to do because the first one really went in depth uh took sort of a fantasy look at sociopathy so i was thinking this one especially in the beginning because we pick right back up where the first game ended with um the uh reagan uh the one of the previous queens showing up um which we don't know that we thought that it was maybe the king or something yeah. at the end of the first one, but it, it's one of the previous generations. Basically, it's, it is the Avatar state. Yeah, from um, uh, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, uh, she gets the knowledge and experience of all the previous uh, rulers of her kingdom, and in case of uh, severe danger, there's a defense mechanism built into it where the ruler that has the most uh, uh, experience in that situation will come forward and take control. So in this case, it was uh, the uh, this blood uh, bath of a queen. Yeah, just absolutely. She was ruthless. like, yeah. If picking up on the context from what you hear later on in the story, she was essentially the one who put the country together and made it a strong military force um, that was respected by other countries. I think she was the second ruler. Yeah. In the line of succession, yeah, the second one um, that, the on the on the path down, yeah. Um, but anyways, I thought that we were going to get to experiment with that a lot, and it would be something that had to do with multiple personalities, uh, more modernly known as dissociative identity disorder. But it didn't go that route; it went with trauma, which I was a little disappointed about. But at the same time, like the game didn't tell me it was going to do this; like this was my own expectation, so I let that one go. But the game. It's other theme is trauma and how we deal with our trauma. And Soul and Mia and Ratona. Oh, sorry. Uh, M-I-L. Not M. So Mill. Oh, so it is Mill. Yeah. So Soul, Mill, Ratona. Um, that, that, that tells self. you how little she's in the story. It took me this long just to find her name. Um, Soul, Mill, Ratona, Selfine, uh, or Self. Selfie? Is that what Rune calls her? Yeah, uh, short for Selfie? short for Stephanie. Yeah, um, and then Rune all have specific trauma that they experience, and they all um, have it represented in a different way. You've got Ratona, who's got like very visible physical trauma, and she's playing the stoic one. She keeps it pushed down and doesn't talk about it, and that gets her into big trouble in the story. Whenever she winds up. Um, passing out and being found by the crazy doctor guy. Um, Selfine has got the uh, trauma of um, dealing with all of all of these things, you know, that have happened as she's assimilating the different memories and experiences of the previous rulers and what uh, Reagan coming out is making her feel and think and do, like having taken over her body, but she also experiences it. It's very weird. That one's not quite fully explained, and I mean, that's okay. It doesn't have to explain this all the way. I kind of think it's a little uh, bit better on, when, it's, yeah, honestly, when there's some mystery to it. Whenever you start over explaining magic, it starts to get a little bit hokey. 
because they, yeah, because they did some of the over explanation in this, and whew. I felt like the explanation on it was just right. It's like okay, magic, uh, consciousness bound together can take over the body if it needs to. Well, no, I was talking more like the five hundred uh, frames per second stuff, and that uh, twenty thousand frames per second. Uh, she's a robot. No, just leave it at that. Yeah, way. she's data. Well, I. I didn't mind that though, because if you have no idea how um, slow motion mm-hmm. actually works, like how slow mo works, that's like a quick and dirty. Like the higher the frame rate, the slower the passage of time. Because I mean, literally, that's how we we get slow motion shots. We, I, I we know. Record at stupid high frame rates. I, I know, but it's also uh, in a fantasy world. It doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to talk like that to someone that doesn't understand things like frames. <laughs> Right, I, I I liked that. I found that charming because it's like you you get a little bit of like fish out of water from both of them. Because in the first one, you know, we had the magic people being the fish out of water in the non magical land, and now we have the non magical person being the fish out of water in the magical land. I liked that. That nice. That I thought that was a good juxtaposition. I, I guess I just found it a little. Uh, I, maybe it's just the fact that they overcame uh, her major problem with being a fish out of water in that. She's able to suddenly understand and write and read all the languages, and they basically leave it open for later installments just to upload more and more uh, dictionary store. Yeah, which I kind of like, but also that's lazy storytelling. Yeah, yeah, I felt like they should have done that later on, because they did it pretty early in the story, saying... Oh, yeah, uh, by the way, we worked on this, and uh, it took us a whole two days, but we are able to give you this magical uh, program in order to uh, read and write uh, all the uh, languages that you'll encounter. We'll upload this one to you now, and uh, as you go to different countries, we'll upload those uh, dictionaries as well. Yeah, that just felt very uh, a a, a cop-out, you know, just... They could have uh, waited, or they could have, yeah, spent more time on it. I think for character development, it would have been nice if Rune would have figured that out on her own. Yeah, like maybe she didn't use magic. Maybe she used the fact that she's an android, <laughs> or a yeah, I think android. Yeah, that she's an android to you know use her own strengths to figure out sort of these magical powers, at least the ones that she can. You know, I think that would have been or a better be able to slowly be able to piece together the language. Yeah, because despite the fact that she's probably the most badass one out of the group, she suffers from being the least self confident. So I think it would have been good character development for her to have figured it out on her own instead of her brother to give it to her. Yeah, just which uh, pretty much instantly, and then basically, I think it was more of a way for him to also cut off communication from her brother for probably the next episode. Yeah, because they did say, like, oh, yeah, when we do this, it's going to use up all our bandwidth, and we can't. <laughs> We're going to hit our data cap. You're going to have to wait to the next billing cycle, <laughs> basically, is yeah. what he says. I mean, that's not exactly what he says, but, I mean, that's what he means. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, sending you all of this is going to use up the entire bandwidth, so or, or how, be able to communicate How about instead of uh, it being instantaneous? Because that's the other thing, is that, yeah, uh, I, I realize magical world and everything, but, you know, data doesn't work like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it could have been a slow assimilation, you know, not just yeah. Okay, we're gonna press this button and uh, talk to you in about a week. Yeah, um, but I, I've realized you know, that I, that that's nitpicky as fuck. But uh, that's kind of uh, I think that's kind of my problem with the the overall story is that 
there's a lot of cop-outs or a lot of just, you know, moments that could have been done a bit better, like her learning how to speak. And, uh, well, they don't even really go into her being able to read and write the language, just be able to speak it. But they do bring it up at one point saying, oh, yeah, I could read it as well, which the magic reader or the magic users can't. Because the way that they're able to communicate is essentially it's a sort of telepathy where they're reading the intention of the word and it just translates, which that would be fun for like some colloquialisms or, you know, just sayings, huh? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what did you think about the opening of the game? Uh, I will say uh, that, holy shit, it does have an amazing hook. Oh my uh, god, and, yeah. And it has to be uh, right up there with some of my favorite fourth wall breaks as well. Yeah, which which made me think... Okay, so for, for the listener, um, I mean, I'm assuming you've played this so you know, but the way that it opens is there's a quick little battle scene between Ratona and Milano, who is the leader of the bad guys that we saw from the first game. Mm-hmm. And she has, like, god-tier powers. Uh, uh, no, god is, to- like... Dude, tone it down. She snaps her fingers, and there's like a nuclear blast that destroys a continent. Yeah, uh, it's odd. I didn't see any stones on her hand. <laughs> um, but uh, not just that, but uh, she also then implanted the memories of everybody's suffering and the exact death toll into yeah. the trio's uh, minds. Uh-huh. Uh, so that they, they knew all the suffering that she could cause and then just... Oh, well, see you later. Peace. Yeah, but I mean, the way that it plays out is that she does that, and then the game, quote, crashes. And then restarts. And, restarts, and it changes And you've the... got a different title yeah. screen. And instead of saying start, load, whatever, it just says undo. And you click on undo, and it rewinds. And then she explains, like, you know, there's not an undo. Yeah, this wasn't. Uh, yeah, there won't be an undo next time. And talking about it wasn't an illusion. You really did just die. I can't tell if that was a fourth wall break to the characters, or sorry, not to the characters, to the audience, like she's saying something to us, or if it's, she's talking to all of the different, I don't know, personalities or whatever of the the path down leaders. Like, look, y'all think you got something special here, but... Fuck you. Like, I can't tell if that's directed well, 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 at that's, the Well, player. that's the problem with not knowing any fucking motivation for your antagonists. I mean, this is literally the second time we've seen her in two games. We yeah. know absolutely nothing about why the attack happened. We don't know what her motives are outside of just, you know, toppling the kingdom. Well, why? Well, are you bored? And, you know, it's like... There's only so many times I could play fucking Yahtzee. Let's go uh, raid the castle. I I hope that she's not just capital E evil. Those types of villi- villains are almost always so boring and cliche. She see the pharmacist, uh, which we'll get to later. Yeah, but that the opening I really liked. That was good. I I was so excited. Yeah, that that um, that's a high bar for the rest of the game. It it never lived up to that. Yeah, uh, I mean that was one hell of a hook, and I think the Steam uh, statistics show that there's a pretty sharp drop off uh, on the achievements after that. Uh, I think it was only like thirty something percent of people got 
the what, what, second achievement yeah. or the first achievement. It's like pretty steady for who's got the achievements, but it's like you get a big drop off on the achievements. Yeah, I'm just going to double check uh, the globals. Uh, Steam achievements. Uh, no, wrong one. Get there. So actually, actually, it is fairly even. Uh, maybe I just was thinking not many people have played it; they just bought it because. Uh, remember, the overall is if you have the game in your library. Yeah. So thirty nine percent of people have that first achievement, which triggers. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but there's also a ten percent drop off uh, between that and the last story achievement. Yeah. So that's pretty big for just such a short game. I wonder if, I doubt it does, but I wonder if copy-pasting the text underneath that achievement into, like, something gives you something special. Like an Easter egg or something. Like, pasting it in Google or Google Translate or something. Are you looking it up now? Yeah, Are you trying to? I'm trying to. Looks like it's uh, referencing, actually, a meme. Of just uh, random letters uh, in a certain way. Well, that's yeah. Uh, it's referencing the Zalgo meme, uh, part of a copy pasta of uh, just creepy text, mm-hmm. which is a little disappointing. See, I'm missing two achievements. Uh, they're both. Uh, well, do you want spoilers for that? I know how to yeah, get them. Yeah, sure. Uh, they're both looking at the two semi lewd. Uh, uh, pictures in the gallery for two hours each without uh, clicking off. Well, alrighty then, I guess. There's a reason why only 11% of people have those. But notice, pretty close to uh, the same percentage for both. Yeah. Hmm. Well, anyways. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I guess that's why... Uh, I guess this is also the problem with building up a story over the course of probably, let's say five or six visual novels is that you can't really give a lot of information about your your major antagonist because you know you're kind of front-loading things so it's kind of we still don't really know what's going on really do we so that's uh, maybe that's why this feels a little off is that i was expecting more answers by the end of this and honestly i just got more questions yeah so, do you, we've been, we both said that we liked it, but not as much as the first one, and we've been going on for, let me look here, let me guess, 20, 30 minutes about all the stuff that's, like, kind of shit, for the most part, that we don't like or that annoys us. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about in this vein before we swap over? Because I have some positive things that I want to talk about, uh, I think really reveal why well, I like well, this Well, before so we much start still. talking about the story itself, because I imagine uh, we'll do a bit of an overview of the plot. I suppose we can go through an overview. Because, I don't want to go through the entire thing like beat by beat. Yeah, it, it just it felt like they went capital E evil, uh, uh, especially I, I guess just because I finished it earlier today. The pharmacist is still sticking my mind because that uh, all he was uh, short of was a finger twirl and an evil laugh, and it just it, it stuck in my crawl. It, it wasn't a satisfying way to end things, so it felt. Uh, after that big hook at the beginning, that you know that major holy shit moment, mm-hmm. it just went downhill from there and had an unsatisfying ending. And no, I'm not talking about it being a bittersweet ending as well. It just felt lackluster. It's uh, also just a part of it being part one of part two of part two, you know? 
See, I felt satisfied by the ending and not just the credit ending. I mean, I don't think it was great. It's not like a masterpiece ending, but I felt satisfied with it. Like, as a conclusion for that part felt, of the story. I felt let down by the... Re, uh, well, here's what kind of gets me, all right? Is that they never mentioned he was giving them the wrong medicine. Stephanie never said a fucking thing about it. Well, yeah, because she... Okay, so she... I'm pretty sure learned or copied that power to, like, see the future from Milano at the beginning. And so whenever she, like, goes inside that guy's head, the the pharmacist's head, she goes in his head and then, like, plays out the situation about what would happen if she told them. Well, part of that... uh, well, she still murders him, doesn't she? Yeah, she yeah, does. So, I think. So, so, I think so, she so looks... it's kind of pointless. Well, but instead of telling them, she just kills him, <laughs> so that the kids don't know, and then they just then she's able to use that to guide them. Because when she tells them in that future vision, he like beats the dude to death or almost mm-hmm. to death, and Mill like stops him, and it's like a sorrowful like. Whatever, and I think she shows it, sees it going down a bad path, and so she thinks, well, if I just kill him, I get rid of the problem, I can give this kid, like, the last bit of guidance that he needs to put him on the right path. And so then she, like, rewinds time, and she kills him, and then puts the kid on the right path, and then we get the ending. Yeah, but then you still the have uh, the the possibility that uh, it wasn't too late for her to get the medicine that now she is withholding. Yeah, and but on top, think about and it. on top of this, okay, here's uh, the whole ending sequence where you see him growing up and becoming a, a farmer to give out medicine. Well, if he doesn't learn that, okay, this particular disease, uh, you don't use this medicine because this is just a fucking painkiller. This is actually the cure. Well, he's giving out the same wrong cure. Yes, but I think you're looking at it from a uh, uh, a, a, maybe. a smaller perspective because I think what she's seeing is she's looking at the the country in its entirety versus just this small group of people. Like if if the girl is cured, oh my str- like these these mysterious strangers came and helped me and I'm I'm cured now and it's great. And then your movement dies to liberate the country. But if the girl dies a tragic death because of what happened, She's a martyr for the cause. And I'm not saying that that's right. Yeah, it just, I, it just I don't know like if that's a, right. Yeah, just left a sour taste in my mouth because of that. Right. Yeah, understandable. Like, your interpretation of that is not wrong. But it's just we each have, I think, a different... We each took that a different direction. Which is why I think that all in, you know, in all, that's why I still think that this is a better... You know, like, it, it's more good than bad. Because they still are able to promote provoke this type of conversation between the two of us with kind of a weird side story like it's got some 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 themes in it yeah i'll give it you that know, what, do, what do you do with your trauma what what do you do with your trauma do you turn it to something that's that's helpful that's productive or do you wallow in it do you let it consume you and again this is one of those things where i have like a much different perspective on that because i deal with people's trauma literally every day so like i'm like oh yeah boom trauma like these characters represent these different characters represent the different ways in which you can process and deal with trauma. I guess I was just more that, taking a literal uh, in this story instead of the bigger picture, which you know, it still really sucks that yeah you know, the girl has to die for this cause. 
that we don't even know if it will do anything, you know? Yeah, and I think that's both the tragedy and the beauty of that, like the uncertainty of life, but... That and sort of the the development of our of our main characters, two of our main characters, Ratona gets hoodwinked pretty early on in the story, and then she's just gone for the rest of it. Um, but Selfine and Rune have this big adventure together, and each both grow a lot as char- as as characters because Rune gets different perspectives on the world. We get to see her show off her cool robot combat abilities. Yeah, uh, she had the you know uh, measure of a man moment where she was learning to cook and was wondering if she could get that uh, update later on on how, be able to taste things instead of just being able to tell if it's they're, they're nutritious or not. Yeah, which I thought was cute. The whole cooking scene was cute. Yeah, it, but it, I it, thought it, of you. Yeah, it did feel a little long though. Maybe it's just at that point I was just wanting the story to end. It's like, oh come on, right? Yeah, I, in from where it was positioned in this story, it was too late. But from where it's positioned in, uh, you know, kind of smack dab in the middle of whatever their whole arc is, it was probably in like the right spot. Yeah, which is why this was really suffering from middle child syndrome or first half of middle child syndrome. Yeah, because there's only so much that you could put to make a, a story inter- interesting in the middle part and whew, right yeah but i mean you you uh you said you wanted to go through like the story yeah. like do you just want to do like the beat yeah, by beat? yeah we could do the beat, beat by beat, beat, beat because the... or, or i should say it overarching because uh, yeah that's, that, what that's I, I guess i'm still hung up on uh the mustache twirl you know because like i said i just finished yeah. it earlier today and it's it, it 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 was very ham-fisted you know, for all the elegance that they had in the first uh, one of not feeling you know, over the top uh, capital E evil for anyone. Well, except Rune, but that's you know psychopath. But uh, I should say real Rune, not robot yeah. Rune. Yeah, human Rune. Uh, yeah, she had some mental problems. You know, she had a, a severe case of bitch be crazy. Uh, but yeah. you know when you start getting into mental problems and that sort of thing, uh, yep. Capital E evil can be realistic. This just felt, yeah, evil for the sake of evil. Well, I mean, he was a selfish bastard who wanted to try and extend his own life. Like the story plot for that is like, we find out in that mind, uh, meld or mind dive when, Oh, it's a mind meld. Let's, let's not pull any punches here. We we find out in the mind meld that he's got some kind of chronic condition and he's trying to get enough money to buy his way into the underwater city uh, to have access to the, the Fountain of Youth mana stream. And so that's why he's doing all of this. Yeah, and he killed his apprentice and uh, killed a couple other people and uh, uh, withholding uh, proper medicine because uh, sick people uh, pay longer, which is where I started to get into the big pharma allegories where some people believe a big pharma does that. And in some cases they may, and it just felt over the top. Yeah. But yeah. So overarching where this story goes, it picks up right at the end of the first one, literally in the same scene as the end of the first game. Um, you go through that scene. Our main characters wind up on a boat traveling out of the no magic land to the magic land. Um, they get to the magic land. They meet sort of the main side character, the 
I mean, he's not the protagonist, but he's Soul, the, yeah. the kid Soul we talked about earlier. They meet him. He's their tour guide who shows them around the town, takes them to their hotel. We're introduced to this, the underwater city, like the rich city that we mentioned earlier that they've built um, to take advantage of the the mana stream that cures diseases and lengthens life. Um, we're introduced to that. Um, we have some more scenes sort of establishing soul as like this sympathetic kid. Um, Talking about how he's an he, orphan. He doesn't have anyone, blah, blah, blah. Which is mostly true. He's got a sister, but I mean, you, you learn later that his parents are, they abandoned. Well, well they disappeared. The they didn't even really say what happened to him. Just, oh, they're gone. Yeah. Uh, which it sounds like maybe something happened to him. Maybe they just abandoned him. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it was pretty obvious from the get-go for me that there was something about Soul that was, yeah, I was expecting younger sibling, probably sister. I was expecting twin, but eh, I was close enough. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure at first that he was going to be bad. Like, they do the thing that made me think, like, they went so over the top with Ratona being like, I don't trust him. He's a bad kid. He's going to steal from us. For me to be like, okay, maybe the, maybe he's not going to be a bad kid and we're going to see some, But no, he's bad. He tries to steal their money. Um, Ratona chases him down, but she's been sick this entire time. Um, she's got some kind of condition that's developing after being in the no magic land, but having to use up most of her magic um, while she's there. So she's she's got a magic disease. Um, and she winds up passing out in the street, and our our bad guy doctor shows up. He was exiled from uh, Rakastad, which is like the country of their homeland. Yeah, um, that, yeah, that's where the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> right? So he takes her to his secret lab in the underwater city. You find out that's where it is later. Um, and then we have a lot of... Uh, Ro- Rune and Selfine searching for her. And Selfine eventually gives in and she does like this meditation ritual um, so that Reagan will take control of her body and can help find Ratona. Mm-hmm. Um, they go on adventures um, where you learn about Soul and his little sister. You learn about their, their backstory um, and how that he has undergone some kind of procedure so that he can use uh, mana a lot better than he should be able to for his age. Like he was at part of an experiment, and um, yeah, yeah, so he was the he's... he was a false sharing experiment PTP, <laughs> right? Uh, but um, so then he knows about this underwater lab and the doctor, and um, they get a lead and they do some. Well, stuff. also part of this is set There's... up uh, in the first uh, scene where. Uh, because she was suffering from Empress Syndrome, which it's funny that they name it that, because this one seems to pop up more often than not. It seems to be, at least, because, yeah, it's named after her. Uh, yeah. Uh, forced uh, Renoa to uh, use some high-level magic that she uh, really shouldn't have in the first scene before they got to the boat to get to the magic land, which basically depleted her reserves of mana. And we also learned that uh, mana users may be shortening their lives uh, be- uh, to use mana. And the uh, royalty are forbidden from using it unless absolutely necessary to protect the path down. 
So that's what's setting up this entire, really, episode. Well, it's just that one scene. Yeah. But they do they do a lot of stuff to advance the plot um, that involves teaching Sol how to properly use his mana um, to cultivate the land and to grow these special plants that can be turned into the medicine. Um, the, the Basically, the advanced painkiller medicine. Um, and they, they teach him how to do that so that he can grow it for his sister. They come into conflict with the Pharma Guild. We learn a lot, a lot of backstory about the country that they're in and, and the guild itself. And, um, then, uh, we get this really cool fight scene where Rune shows off her, her android powers, um, and fights some dudes. Um, and they get scared and leave because she's like impossibly powerful. And then, the pharmacy head of the pharma guild um, burns down the crops and endangers everyone's lives. And uh, Reagan and Selfie's body like captures him, reads his mind, does like the future projection thing. Ultimately, decides to just kill him because that's the better option to get the better outcome for um, freedom of the country. And then the game ends, yeah. or the the story ends with. Um, Selfine kind of her personality breaking back through and she like breaks down yeah um, what she has to do panic and and uh worrying every uh worrying rune for uh putting the empress in control i mean whenever you start talking about the story it it makes you realize just how much padding is in this game huh (laughs) because there's it skips uh uh, the entire subplot of the alliance uh arguing if uh, the princess is alive or not and uh, going to see this one particular specialist to be able to uh, read the mana signature that they used in the very first scene of the first game to teleport out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cutting out, uh, you know, uh, the uh, rune learning to be more human, essentially. Well, so this this chapter, this episode, this whatever you want to call it is not about plot development. It's about character development. True. And when when part of a larger narrative, as a few chapters as part of, you know, a, a novel, that's fine. But the way that they broke this down, and I think why to you and probably most other people who approach this are going to say, well, this is terrible because we didn't really move the plot along very much. We spent well, a lot I'm of time focused on character that's development. It's that I found it a bit lackluster. I'm not saying terrible. It's just, I'm sure in the long run of things, but it, it kind of, oh boy, this is going to sound mean, but let's go for it. It kind of reminds me of some of the middle uh, novels of the Wheel of Time, where yes, in the long run, it uh, there's important bits here and there, but there was so much that they, you know, just didn't do a lot with it. Felt like it was just spreading things out. For the sake of spreading things out. Yeah. And like you said I mean, before, if this was their cut down version, damn. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if there winds up being another 16, 20, 30 chapters in the story broken up across however many, you know, games or visual novels or whatever they want to tell it in. I mean, then, then this four chapters right here, I think is perfectly placed in the grand scheme of it. But if this is it, or if we only get maybe one more game that quickly ties up a bunch of stuff, this is going to feel like a huge waste of time overall. Because 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 we spent four chapters 
with the other two main characters of our trio. Because the first game spent a ton of time being told from Ratona's perspective. Yeah. We learned a lot about her and her personality and the way she thinks and interacts with stuff. This one focused on Selfine and Rune. And we got that same sort of um, in-depth look at their personalities, the way they approach their situations, the way that they think, and changes that have happened to them along this journey. And that's great if we get another, you know, 20 chapters or whatever of the story now going forward to whatever conclusion it reaches. But if this is it, I mean, it's kind of a shitty ending. Like, in two years, if I look back at this and there's never been any more games, I'll be like, man, that really sucked. Because if this is going to be it, I'd rather have another, like, another story, like, that, you know, start to finish story in this world. And even if it's not, like, the, you know, tells the rest of their adventure, at least getting, like, a fully completed story would would be a sort of satisfying end. But it ended on another cliffhanger with, like you said, more questions than answers. And I guess that's just why it felt so uh, disappointing to me, that ending, is that, well, this answered nothing, and I still had questions from this first story. Uh, like, what in the ever-living fuck? <laughs> I mean, they just had a Thanos moment, literally. And, yeah, so they're not answering anything. Okay, fine. Just, yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't know how much I have to say. I mean, I, you know, maybe if we kept on going, I could, I mean, well, not maybe. I definitely, if I kept on like deep diving onto some of these themes, I could talk about them a lot longer. But I mean, I, I think I've said enough that the listener understands, like, I really like what they did with all of that stuff. I think there's a lot of deep meaning there to be explored aside from the, colonialism is bad yeah i guess i'm just uh looking at it not from the psychological uh, standpoint but as more of a story standpoint as someone that's toyed around with uh, writing is that it felt like they really could have tied up most of the story in like one of the chapters uh and yes i realized character development uh it would have cut out a lot of but uh they should have not done anything with the alliance characters and left them for the next uh, chapter. Uh, I understand introducing Paige at this point because that's where you have uh, the third uh, party uh, or the third member of the trio. So, you know, there's going to be a few interactions there, but it just, it feels like they have a lot of plot threads dangling and they just haven't, they're making more and more of a mess of things when they haven't even tied up any loose ends from the previous book, you know? Yeah. Yep. I think we should have completely abandoned the trio back in the homeland. Um, not done anything with them because uh, they, they, they were... could have done something. Uh, they could have. Okay. Here's how they could have done this a bit better. All right. And maybe they did this and I just was, you know, had a dunce moment. Uh, they could have had Renoa in the first game. Talk about, yeah, well, maybe they'll send a, re- a rescue party as well, but we should uh, continue trying to get back on our own. Uh, that, uh, they w- wouldn't give up on us, blah, blah, blah. You know, ha- uh, talk about that, something like that. Or mention anyone <laughs> possibly coming to look for him. In the first chapter of the first game, they they don't talk about these characters specifically. Maybe it's just, they do maybe talk it's just about, been, uh, the fact that it's been over a year. Before they realize where they are, and they're like, oh, we're screwed. Nobody's coming for us if we don't get away from here. We'll be dead before they even think to come check for us here but they do talk about like 
staying close to that mana line that they used for travel to to wait for rescue and you know in a rescue party and what their chances are of being rescued and maybe it's just just the fact that it's been a year and i forgot about that scene but just felt maybe it's just the fact that you know it just felt like such a throwaway that or maybe they should have mentioned by name or you know or just said it sold sold it a bit better not worry about the second scene with the of uh, the secondary trio of uh, them encountering the big bads and whatever the fuck happened there. Because honestly, I don't know what happened there. And just yeah, uh, they they could have set up the uh, the second trio in this story, but it just felt once again a little ham fisted that it just. And yes, I realize I'm using that term uh, quite a bit today, but it just didn't feel as elegant as it could have been. And, yeah, and it I may have just they... been the fact that this was originally going to be a lot larger of a story and then they cut it down and then cut it in half. So the yeah, introduction the... just had to be here and then they had to it... throw in something else so you didn't forget about them. So they threw in that one scene that was honestly just a throwaway. If they wanted to put the second trio in, what they should have done is something along the lines of they are the last scene before the game ends. And it's like, we have our characters... They have a, a despairing moment, maybe after um, Selfine's personality breaks back through, and she's like, I just want to go home, I just want to be rescued, I can't believe we're have to do all this. And then you cut to these groups of characters, and we don't really get introduced to them, like they have names, so we know that they're important, because they're named characters. But they're having that conversation about, um, a, a modified version of the first conversations, where it's like, okay, we couldn't find them, it's clear they used this thing to escape. Where could they be? How do we find them? And then it's like, boom, that's where it ends. I like that a hell of a lot better. Because then we get to be introduced to them before the game ends, but they don't take up, I don't know, 20 minutes of story time kind of interspersed through scenes where I'd rather have stuck with. 20 or 30 minutes whenever the game is, you know, five to six hours. Yeah. Um, That and clean up some of the scenes that are just, like, if you want to spend more time exploring some of these character concepts... Clean up all the two-minute scenes here and there that are really inconsequential and don't serve anything. Like, on the ship, we get the establishing scene about how strong Rune is, where she loads all the crates in, like, ten minutes. Like, that's good. Yeah, Because people might have forgotten from the first game that she had, like, super strength when she fought the guy in the bar. Yeah. Like, that's fine. And then they uh, go out of their way to introduce a second crew for their ship, and, oh, now we're gone. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they could have just stuck with Oh yeah, we're stopping to change crews because the non-magic people can't go to the magic land. Like, boom, that covers that. That reminds everybody about what's going on. But we take five minutes to yeah have the second crew introduced, and the captain's kind of grumpy, and but he doesn't really matter because it's literally it's like oh yeah, the captain was grumpy and he walked away, and they didn't interact with them for the rest of the voyage. And it's like, well, fuck, who cares about this guy then? Yeah, I mean, really, it's just little things like that that makes it feel probably a lot rougher than what it actually is. Yeah. But that may just be a remnant of, you know, where they cut things down and they had more interactions with the captain. But they just, yeah, uh, cut to a black screen and say, yeah, and we never talked to him ever again. <laughs> and, 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 and they were never heard from. And, and he now lives on a farm upstate with all the other grumpy captains. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, But, you know, there's lots of little scenes like that that are kind of pointless that... One or two here or there is charming, but, and they, they do it a couple of times. Like 
honestly, like when they're like, all right, we need to go shopping. We need to find these things. And it's like, oh, we need to go to a store and get sediments. Like that was a huge thing in the first game because like that's how they figure yeah. out that where they are. They go try to buy sediments and it's like these really shitty things are like thousands of gold or whatever because it's super rare because they live in, in the non-magic land. Here, and here they first shop. They, I do like the fact that Rune lampshade it saying, well, I thought that would be a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I thought they were setting us up to go on an adventure to buy sediment. And they're like, and we got it. And it's like, oh, okay, cool, good, good enough. We know that they got it. We can move on. I mean, I mean, you know, I, so it does do that at I times. I mean, I do kind of like the fact that Rune said, oh, I thought that'd be tougher. I mean, that does sell that one particular scene to me, that, you know, one two minute scene. But, but the fact that they did it over and over again, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, like, uh,. Going on and on about how the restaurant is set up when, wow, right? I thought that was okay. Um, that kind of gets into like the Game of Thrones, like describing like food for 26 pages. I, I felt like, and you can have stuff like that as long as you give it space to breathe. But they were, the heat, there was too much. There was too much in, uh, in, in a it. short uh, yeah, span of time. And, that's the problem here is that, you know, you just didn't have enough time and it's just a remnant of a lot larger visual novel. And it probably does have enough room to breathe when you're looking at part one and part two of part two. But it does make me wonder when they eventually get around to Fault Milestone 3, assuming that there is going to be one. Uh, just, yep. Are they going to try to boost it up to a higher price novel to justify a longer price or a bigger price? Because that's what I got from some of the uh, interviews I read was that they wanted it to be a larger game, but wanted to keep the $15 or so price tag on it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would pay for it, but I, I, I get that a lot of people won't or don't. I mean, visual novels are kind of a tough sell still in the uh, in the West. Not as much as they used to be, but kind of. So, so, so putting it at a higher price tag, I understand, makes it a higher barrier to entry. So it is going to be tougher to make back your money because you know got to eat, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start turning us towards wrapping up because we've been talking about this for about an hour. Yeah, yeah there are about. Um, you know, I, over overall, like we said, a lot of good. We said a lot of bad. Um, I. I mean, as we often do with these things, we tend to bitch more than we compliment or praise. But, you know, I think that just goes with both of our personalities. But overall... Well, are you saying I'm grumpy you know, or something? Yeah, pretty much. We're both... We're two grumpy... Two grumpy men. But, um, okay, you know, I'll overall... Overall, I think this is like a... Like, for me, this is like solid B territory. Yeah, it's a, Maybe B minus. Yeah, it's definitely not a B plus. Yeah, I could but, agree with that. I mean, it's definitely... Suffering from the fact that they cut down a lot of stuff and then they split it in half and it's been a couple of years and we haven't seen the next chapter yet. And a matter of fact, they said that the next chapter is going to be after a prequel uh, to the first game. So, you know, they're going for full, they're going full Game of Thrones here, actually. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. But, you know, this is like a solid B, uh, B or maybe a B minus. Um, but the first one, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I feel like it was an A minus now, like the way that I think about it. Like, I, you know, in my mind, it's the first one is positioned at like an A minus and this one is like B or B minus. 
So it's solid, but it's not as good as the first one. It's not great. Yeah. It's good. It's not great. Yeah, it was, yeah, the first one was pretty good. It had its jank. It had its, yeah, perhaps over-explaining magic at times. But it was also a fish-out-of-water uh, story. And it, once again, is a fish-out-of-water story. Only reversed. So it definitely has its strengths. But it also has its weaknesses of so many dangling threads. Uh, that opening scene leaves you wondering. But then there's no payoff for it. And the fact that they tease it again later on with the other trio. Uh, not with that same antagonist, but another one of that group shows up. And they're talking about how amazing it that she has this thing. And it's, it's just, she you know, goes the fuck off. She just wanders off. It's just like, why? Why? Right? Why? They're all smoking weed, man. Can't stay on topic. Stay on target. Stay on target. Don't get fat. Stay on target. <laughs> no. So yeah, fault milestone two yep. side above. Yeah, not without faults, but holy shit! What? I'm sorry, it just clicked in my brain. They're called they're they're called side above and side below, and I'm like, why? The first side A, side well, B. Well, and also, duh. Well, also the first store or the first half of the story takes place mostly above the water, side above. Yeah. So, we don't know for sure that the second one will take place mostly below yeah, the but, water, but I see where you're going. Yep. I like it. I'm willing to go. I with mean, you. let's put it this way: they are going to go, yeah, well, supposed to meet up with the, their uh, third and the doctor that they agreed to take on to be able to administer medicine. But we just had this whole thing of big pharma bad, and th did they save why he got exiled? I can't recall. No, they did not. Okay, so we don't know why. Once once again, the why. The, the, uh, the your motivation why did this uh, guy get exiled what did he uh, combine uh, his daughter and the family dog together or something no no full male alchemist okay gonna have to get you to watch that one nope sorry well I know what the next Sunday is gonna be for the next like two months well actually probably more like two years also not till we finish Lord of the Rings card games yeah which there's another game on Game Pass I wanna play as well sweet Oh, we could but do, yeah, that was well, our... We could, uh, multitask. It's on Netflix. It has English uh, dubs. You're going to watch Sweet. it, and you're going to like it. And you're going to cry. Probably. I'll probably cry. Um, But yeah, that is Fault Milestone 2. Our, oh, is he gone? Our April Game Club. Um, So, for our next Game Club, which is May, we are going to be playing after... Uh, a discussion. Yeah, yeah a fun Zero. discussion because we ended up accidentally filling out quite a bit of the year. Yeah, we've got the Game Club calendar picked up to October or through September. Yeah. However you say that properly. Yes. So, we're good for a while. But yeah, we're going to play uh, Yakuza 0, which we are going to be playing it because it's on Game Pass. Is it also on uh, Steam? It's on Steam. I actually have it on Steam and Game Pass, so I'm going to be playing probably the Steam version. Okay. Um, and then it's also available on consoles if you ever play games on console, um, PS4, Xbox One. So yeah, and that is what we show. And I have playing. a feeling we may be playing the next Yakuza probably early next year because they are releasing the uh, remakes on PC and the second one or the the uh, the first remake or the, now the second game in the series, which was originally the first before Zero, uh, is on Game Pass. So yeah. 
Yay. And and you've gone cross-eyed, right? Yep. So speaking Something of like uh, speaking of uh, cross-eyed, uh, it seems like the programmers over at Bethesda are cross-eyed because who? <laughs> right. So Fallout seventy six news: Strange Fallout seventy six bug causes new Wastelanders NPCs to permanently loot your weapons. Yeah, and this one is courtesy of Cube in the Discord. So we're not uh, okay. We are beating the dead horse, but we're being encouraged. That's right. This is all because of you. Yeah. I need just, to copy and paste. Yeah, just stop. It's dead already. Nope. Can't I can't hear you whipping the dead horse. So oh. Oh, that copied weirdly for some reason. Let me So Bethesda. Oh. This is what happens whenever you make a Fallout game that you cannot mod to uh, to repair Bethesda's utter incompetence. Right? Yep. Because they still don't have also, mod support, do they? No, they do not. But, yeah, Bethesda put a little bit of Fallout in a Fallout game, so that's nice. There's NPCs. Oh, but they're broken, just like everything else in Fallout 76. Also, they put a little bit of a Fallout into Fallout 76. Which is nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, did anybody expect this to go completely smoothly? Uh, to be fair, this is about the smoothest that Bethesda's uh, launched a first-party product in quite a while. I mean... It didn't completely crash the game, so, you know, they did have that going for them. It didn't break anything old that had already been fixed. Yeah, they, d- yeah, they did Yeah, they did refer broken. to an old version, so, yeah. It's just, what the fuck, right? Good for them. Golf club. It makes me wonder just what they're running on the backside, because Fallout 76 is essentially Fallout 4, right? Just with the multiplayer mod put into it. Yeah, like a stripped-out version of Fallout 4. A lot of mods, before they locked it down, that worked in Fallout 4, did work in Fallout 76 in the beginning. But then they locked down and locked out mods, um, Yeah, games that were running mods. Yeah, which is hilarious, because some of them were just letting people instantly pick locks and that sort of thing. But it just tells you, you know, just... Yeah, really, you didn't lock out mods whenever... Uh, or the cheat mods, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh... Basically, though, what happened is that with the release of the... Well, okay, so the release of the Wastelanders uh, update, expansion, whatever, um, adds NPCs into the game. Like, mission-giving NPCs that walk around in the world or are stationed in their various places, and you can go to quests for them and other stuff. So there's more than just robots and then Russian bots running around in the oh, game. Oh, don't forget audio logs. Plenty of audio logs. Right. Right, plenty of audio logs. So um, that's nice, I guess. Um, but if you run into one and you get into combat with them and they kill you, they can loot your corpse for your equipped weapon and all the ammo that goes with it, and then they use your own gun against you in the future if you run into them again or when you run into them. Because most of them are related to missions. So at least from what I've read, I obviously haven't played this. I don't own it. I doubt I ever will. So... You know, I'll never, I won't say never. You never know. But um, I doubt I'll own this. Yeah, I mean, just... What the hell? <laughs> right? I realize that Fallout 76 obviously doesn't have a lot of playtesting. Otherwise, they would catch any of the bugs. I mean, just go watch the Jim Sterling stuff, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Jared and I watched it, of course. But it's just glitchy NPCs all over the place and just random bullshit. Yeah. But you would think that NPCs looting 
player corpses and stealing items to permanently would be, you know, high enough on the priority that it, they would actually they would actually attempt to fix it, right? You would think. Uh, which is sad because they could have made this a really interesting game. To be fair, they made it a survival game, so you know, that's gonna that's you know, strike one on making it an interesting game to me. But there's so many other places that they could have took this that could have been interesting. That could have been a fun side romp. This could have been Blood Dragon-esque, where you know, it was just a wacky side adventure. It didn't really have anything to do with the main plot. Instead, they retconned uh, the Fallout lore. Uh, they released this broken piece of shit. Uh, they put in $100 a year subscription models. They added a bunch of biker transactions. I mean, this is you know, AAA gaming in a nutshell these days, right? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I, I think I agree with what Jim Sterling has said a couple of times. Like, at this point, Bethesda is obsolete. I mean, uh, The Outer Worlds kind of proved that, even though I do think that The Outer Worlds could have been better, which I think that also is sort of what Fall Milestone 2 uh, had problems with, was having to cut back stuff. Because since we did the game club for Outer Worlds, I saw a couple articles of the developers for Outer Worlds talked about how much they had to cut back and uh, cut down, especially some of the larger areas like the Groundbreaker, uh, because mm-hmm. it just wouldn't work. And a reason why, which it didn't really click with me, I, it felt like there was something off about large areas like the Groundbreaker or towns, uh, just in general, was that not many NPCs were moving. You know, they were all pretty static. Once they mentioned that, saying, well, we couldn't get the Groundbreaker to work properly, so we had to uh, cut off two levels of it, move stuff around so it kind of makes sense, remove uh, all the uh, uh, moving NPCs. It's like, oh yeah, the Groundbreaker doesn't have moving NPCs at all. And even the towns, you usually only see like one or two guards moving at most. Uh, And yeah, it's just... uh, uh, probably where I felt kind of off with the Outer Worlds, but it's still a hell of a lot better than anything Bethesda's shat out, from, you know, in the last decade and a half. Right, hundred percent. I still want um, uh, Elder Scrolls Six to be good, but I have no hopes for it at this point. I'm old and cynical. Fuck it. And you've turned it to me. <laughs> But I want it to be good. I do. I want it to be so good. Yeah, but Skyrim wasn't even good. What's the chances of this one being good? No, I thought Skyrim was good. Skyrim was so lackluster, I didn't even realize I completed the uh, the uh, last battle of the main story. And this is somebody Skyrim. that was let down by Oblivion, uh, where the final uh, battle was uh, leading Sean Bean to his death. I mean, I fantasized about doing that for years. <laughs> In a cinematic fashion. Um, but I, I liked Oblivion. I liked Skyrim. Well, well in retrospect, I, I like Morrowind. Oblivion a lot more than Skyrim now. Uh, I've kind of forgiven uh, Oblivion for some of its uh, faults. How did we end up here again? You and I have had this discussion so many times know. over the years. I don't know. <laughs> every, every time. it's I'll take the blame. It's my fault, probably. Yeah, uh, sure. Most things get blamed on me anyway, so I'll just go ahead and say it's my fault. Well, now I don't want to blame you, but sure. Uh, um, and 
In other news, I discovered that uh, Allison Dissonance, the people who make the Fault Milestone series, have a Patreon that is regularly receiving updates about the game. So oh, well. either it's very slowly under development or they are uh, scamming people at this point. Because I went to their main site and just uh, couldn't find anything. So I found a link to it on the subreddit, the Fault Milestone subreddit, which is basically dead, but... There was a link to it there. And now I follow them on Twitter. Although it won't do me any good because a lot of it's this Japanese is in or Chinese. Japanese. So I won't be able to read most of it. But still. Yeah. So, Anyways, uh, that's, so, that, that's, so that's, that's a big... little disappointing if it's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It looks like a lot of this is art too. Mm-hmm. Tempted to uh, become a Patreon at $5 for a month to get a bunch of cool artwork. Just after you said that uh, uh, maybe they're scamming people, right? Well, I mean, you know, I'll get some cool artwork for a month. Pay $5, download all of the really cool backgrounds, put them in my list. Or you could just yeah, pay $50 to get a one-click. Huh? Yeah. My brain went, one-click! <laughs> You're welcome. And then started playing hard guitar riffs. Um. So yeah, that's our news story of the week. Yeah. Uh, Bethesda. Bethesda, still shit. Nice. Fallout 76 still sucks. Yeah, but now sucks in Fallout. Very true. Very true. All right, I'm going to close a bunch of tabs because I have too many open. And then um, tell tell people about our email and stuff. Well, I almost we said, g- now we'll do a Discovery queue. Well, uh, we got that uh, last story from our Discord. So you can find our Discord on our website, vglpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, or you can email us. Uh, a topic vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet it to us vglpodcast on the twitter indeed so unless you're opposed i figure we can run a discovery queue yeah we could doobly do sweet and of course i have one setting here ready to go so how about cute anime girls fighting things i yeah i like cute anime girls so maru arms Maru Arms is an anime-inspired character action hack-and-slash game that tells the story of a magical girl um, paramilitary group fighting back against an alien invasion. <laughs> right? Okay. Sure. So, Early Access Game just released uh, today, actually. I mean, it has this kind of old-school God of War feel to it. With panty shots. Sweet. I mean, some gratuitous panty shots, actually. I mean, God of War had a lot of gratuitous panty shots in it. Yeah, but Kratos wasn't wearing the panties. True. But overall, it actually looks pretty decent. Uh, I would say, actually, almost Bayonetta more than anything else, really. Just uh, very fluid movement uh, on some of the gifts I'm seeing. Uh, but anime-inspired, so this isn't an anime property. It's just, yeah, we'll take the art style, but... It looks like cutscenes may be in a comic book format or manga format. Well, actually, comic book because it's being read left to right. Uh, but yeah, looks pretty interesting. And uh, the character runs around and damn, the, the, the panties are on full display, right? Indeed, which is very cool. So anyway, um, uh, you're up. Yeah, 112 Operator. At first I thought this was some kind of like weird joke parody nope, game. No, on that's the, the sequel to 911. 911 operator. Right. So, 
I'm guessing 112 is a common designator uh, in UK, the world for emergency services. Okay. I could just Google it. That would be 112 emergency services. Uh, yeah. In some countries, Africa. I mean, that's a long list, so, right? Yeah, Europe. Uh, it's the number in almost all... all almost all it's Europe. It's the emergency number in, in... Yeah, in the EU. Almost all the EU. So... Oh, actually, in the United States as well. 112 yeah. forwards to 911. On GSM cool. carriers. Oh, and... Including AT&T. And 000 in Australia. So that's neat. Uh, I guess that does make sense because, you know, it would uh, help travelers, right? Yeah, you wouldn't have to learn. think about learning a new local emergency code so i like that i learned something new um but yeah i mean this or is you're the one of the lucky 10,000 and so i'm out that's right it's a good xkcd it's one of the nice yeah, now let's go get some mentos and coke <laughs> so yeah i mean this is literally then the sequel to 911 operator so i liked that game i suspect i would like this game if you like 911 operator you'd probably like this one too so i got a little game that you probably never heard of gears tactics <laughs> <laughs> What's so that? XCOM and, Who makes that XCOM game? In the, uh, in the Gears of War universe, pretty much, uh, with some uh, Gears of War uh, goodies. I mean, I, don't, I haven't uh, actually gotten to play this yet. Uh, it's on Game Pass as well. I've loaded it up, uh, ran it through the benchmark. It uh, bitched about my video card, but still played. But yeah, I mean, uh, more XCOM, really, right? Yeah. I'm excited to play it. <coughs> yeah, and oh, we um, will. I also have it installed, so. Um, Alright, my next game is called Cloudpunk. Uh, it looks like you get to play Corbin Dallas from... Uh, Multipass? Multi, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw um, that earlier. <laughs> I didn't... It says you're a... It's a neon... It says neon noir story in a rain-drenched cyberpunk metropolis. You're, looks like you're driving a flying taxi or delivery van delivering stuff. So there's two rules. Don't miss a delivery and don't ask what's in the package. Fifth Element. That's the, the name of the movie that I was looking for. I can't, I remember Corbin Dallas and Lilu and Multipass, but I couldn't remember Fifth Element. Anyways, this looks neat. I mean, it, it, it looks neat. I don't really have anything else to go on. Releases in like two days according to this, so who knows? Yeah, I had to jump a couple because I got 112 and Cloudpunk back to back. So, Dragon Marked for Death. Dragon Marked for Death is a 2D side-scrolling action RPG where up to four players can play together in online multiplayer. So, essentially a Metroidvania-esque game from the looks of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it has the mul- uh, the randomization of multi uh, modern multi uh, Metroidvanias, but people are saying essentially Mega Man Zero online. I mean, a lot of very favorable reviews, and hey, it looks pretty, right? Has that sort of uh, very bright color palette that the uh, SNES Eric Ames had, huh? Yeah. So yeah, it looks fun, and hey, online co-op, right? Indeed. So I got uh, Summer's End. It's a visual novel. Um, it says it says it's set in 1980s Hong Kong. It tells a love story between two women with lush and vibrant visuals, uh, hand-drawn artwork inspired by Asian cinema and 1980s anime. So very interested in this for a few reasons. I mean, one, um, 1980s Hong Kong is a setting that I've never explored before in storytelling. 
so it's, as, especially if it's done accurately could be an interesting look into a different culture at a different time and then that artwork i really am digging the artwork that they're showing off here um some of it does look very sort of standard visual novel um you know a, a little bit different uh look to it but feels very visual novel-y but then some of it doesn't it feels very much like looking at 80s or 90s stills from an anime and i like that yeah they really have that art style down there's a certain uh pseudo realistic look that 80s and early well 80s and 90s anime has where uh the eyes aren't so big and cutesy there's a trying to think of a good way to put it without sounding uh uh cliche there there was a certain realism to more the anime Mm -hmm. uh that's still pops up from time to time but it's that the way everything is drawn that certain sort of hard lines uh, a pseudo-realistic look where the characters look Asian still to some degree instead of characters looking more and more white with big eyes right so yeah I mean that's really uh, spot on with the art style I like that so I got Motor GP20 because I'm kind of scraping the barrel here you've picked up a couple of my cues uh, so another motorcycle racing game. I think I had one a little while back. Probably the first, earlier version of this, actually. Very uh, impressive, uh, at least stills on the store page. I mean, starting to get to the point where these racing games are it's starting to be a little tough to tell real life from uh, uh, gameplay, huh? Yeah, especially in stills. Yeah, I mean, some of those are just fucking impressive. To be fair, it could be bull shots as well. But just the way it's presented, especially where you know, all sports everywhere is canceled right now. So if you're into motorcycle yeah. racing, there you go, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, so I got Florence. Now, Florence was initially a mobile game, and I don't know how well it's going to do on PC. Um, I talked about Florence a year and a half ago, maybe? Um Somewhere between a year and a year and a half ago. Oh, that, that was a, made a this visual game's... novel, right? On uh, phone? Yeah, sort of. It had a lot of interact interactivity to it, but you couldn't really change the story. The thing that I liked about it was that it utilized the fact that you had a touchscreen device to tell the story through gameplay mechanics. And I don't think that that's going to translate to keyboard and mouse unless they change up some of the puzzles or... Well, not really puzzles, but some of the activities that you do in some way. So, I mean, I won't really say any more to spoil it. If you want the spoilers, the full thoughts, go back and find the episode where I talked about it. Because, man, it's a beautiful little game. I cried when I played it. Um, And it only takes, I don't know, an hour to get through, maybe? Like, it's very short. Um, And I don't think it has a PC tax. It was something like four or five bucks when I bought it on google play so maybe there's a little bit of a pc tax um i mean i could be misremembering but i i feel like that they're not giving you like a huge you know pc tax um so i mean i think this game is worth it but honestly without playing it on pc i would have to actually say i think this would be better to buy it on your your touchscreen device that way you can experience those gameplay mechanics playing out that way but still beautiful game love it to death Okay, well, I got another racing game. <laughs> uh, so, Automobilstia 2. A hardcore, or I should say, a advanced 
uh, sim racing uh, uh, racing game uh, with some very diverse disciplines from the looks of the screenshots and the uh, videos. Everything from uh, trucks, uh, I mean tra uh, tractor trucks, to go karts. Right? We talk about riding the yeah. gambit, huh? Yeah. Um, this is the second one in the series. I don't think I've ever encountered the first one. You have, because it's on your wish list. But that doesn't mean you remember it. Actually, I do remember it. Automobilista. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Well, I took a crack at it and but... it was uh, probably way off. But yeah, a pretty wide gambit, which makes me wonder just how deep some of these uh, disciplines are, right? Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of similarities between them as long as they're done well. I mean, for that type of game, it's a sim yeah. game, so it you yeah, really once comes you get down the, to... Yeah, once you get the physics down, you can put any car in you want. But, you know, just modeling enough of them to make it worthwhile, I guess I should say. Or yeah. enough different ones. But they have some vintage cars in here. They have uh, uh, tractors. I mean, quite the gambit, huh? Yeah. So, um... I got one that's probably meant for oh, you. No. Intergalactic Fishing. It is a fishing RPG where you're going on an adventure across the the universe to figure out why the fish in your local lake are dying. You go on an adventure to lakes and oceans all around the galaxy in order to figure out what's going on with the fish. Okay, well that's a thing. That's interesting. You can use your boat to travel the universe and it looks like you can build your spaceship slash boat. I also can't help but feel like I'm being slayed, uh, you know, uh, made fun of here. Mm. Alright. I mean, I'm, I'm, I want this. It's a sci-fi fishing game. I'm in. Well, that has to say something, right? What, that I'm interested yeah. in it? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I got an, uh, another visual novel, because of course, right? Because we just finished right. a visual novel, so we're both getting all the visual novels. So, I got Making Lovers. A story about the way love can bloom after dating begins. So, yeah. Looks like it may be a lesbian relationship as well. Just based on the characters, maybe? It's hard to tell, actually. Because just flipping through the screenshots is unhelpful on that. Uh, it, yeah, it looks like they, lo Sorry, looks I'm like just... they're kind of leaving it open if it's uh, female on female or not. But, or at least I should say in the text. But yeah, uh, overall, right. nice art style. It looks like it may have a branching stat or, or storyline. I'm, I'm going to look this up on Visual Novel Database because the other one didn't really warrant it. Let's see, uh, clocking in medium in the 10 to 30 hour range. Had, well, at least the international version has quite the list on the sexual content. So there you go. Right, Jared? Suddenly you're interested in, right? I'm in. So I got a game. Uh, Wild West and Wizards. Oh boy. <laughs> An open world RPG set in a reimagining of the American West. Pick your class, level up, and unlock new abilities while you explore the world. Filled with quests, loot, outlaws, bosses, spells, caves, towns, and other mysterious places. Um, I mean, I want to be a gunslinging wizard. Like, key features, number one, become a gunslinging wizard. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, honestly, this game looks like hot garbage, but if it runs smoothly under the hood, relatively smoothly, 
Actually, hot garbage is wrong. That implies that it looks bad. It doesn't. It's just very plain. Some of the models look a little jank, like the character models, but the landscapes and the buildings are fine. It's using an art style or a very, uh, I was going to say cheaper. I actually don't know if that's true or not, but it's, it's just got a very flat kind of color palette art style. It doesn't look super great, but I mean, I want to be a gunslinging wizard, so, you know, give it a shot. Yeah, and my last one was literally Bonsai Buddy with an anime skin on it, so no thank you. <laughs> Not today, <coughs> Satan. Not today. Um, Not ever. Nope, 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 nope. I've got two left. Yeah, I was just still looking up the uh, the other one as well. Looks, uh, the uh, Making Lovers. Okay, it does look like it's uh, a, uh, bo- uh, a boy and a girl. Male protagonist, yeah. It just they didn't really cover that in the uh, store page, so it was a little hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks All like right. with that, uh, quite a bit of branching as well. Uh, but hey, if you're uh, in the deep south, like a certain someone, there's brother sister relationship options. Well, I'll be slap my sister's ass and call her Susie. <laughs> We're gonna have a good old time tonight. Yeehaw! No, that doesn't matter for my cue. I didn't get anything else. So, yeah. sweet. Um, well, with our respective discovery cues done, hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with the socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me maybe on YouTube someday, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter occasionally, uh, Caffeine or Gaming with CR over there. Or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. If you want to find me on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. On Twitter at JMA4707, or on Steam by sending a friend request to JArthur4707. And if you wish to know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is, oh snap, oh snap. Snap. Oh, and scroll all the way back up to the top. So, once again, you could contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or tweet them to us, vglpodcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons is to blame for this absolute mattress. You can, madness, you can find out more. Patreon.com slash VGL podcast. Or you could go check out our website, vglpodcast.podbean.com, courtesy of our lovely, lovely patrons. Or you can find the RSS feed, show notes, links to all our stuff. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Cube music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. You can find his work over at Incomputech.com, and... As always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.